0: Welcome back. It's now with Dave Brown on AMI. I shared a whole bunch of news stories with you in the first segment of the show, but there is a whole bunch happening, especially in the province of Ontario. So let's bring in Canadian Press Weekend News Editor Michelle McQuigg to find out what's going on with the education workers strike. Hey, good morning, Michelle.
1: Good morning, Dave.
0: Michelle, there are a million angles into this story, but let me start with the broad basic journalism question of du jour What's the latest with the Ontario education workers' strike?
1: Well, uh, we might actually would have had more to say about this if we had been convening half an hour from now, but uh, but we're not. Um, <clears throat> there are going to be two news conferences on either side of the major players for this particular story. As we speak, uh, Premier Doug Ford and uh, Education Minister Stephen Lecce are holding a news conference, and we don't actually know what's coming up with that. But, uh, but so far, anyway, the government has showed absolutely no sign of backing down in the face of rapidly mounting and really uh, significantly escalating resistance from the Canadian Union of Public Education, or excuse me, the Canadian Union of Public Employees, and they represent education workers. We're talking about like custodians, janitors, educational assistants, all the the support staff that are really crucial to classrooms. Um, they are also having a newser at about 11 o'clock this morning, but they're also going to be joined by a number of other big labour leaders. And there are there's a lot of speculation swirling about the solidarity that's been uh, mounting in, in recent days as this union tries to fight the government's legislation that imposed a contract on them and banned their right to strike. Uh, there's media reports out there speculating that there's going to be a big multi-sector walkout, even potentially on a national scale next week, mm. as p- people like the Ontario Federation of Labour and the Canadian Labour Congress uh, start to get on board with this and, and join this news conference that's happening with CUPE uh, later on this morning. Um we, so yeah, that's what's happening there is that those news conferences might advance the ball, but in terms of practical implications for today, the legislation banning the strikes is in place, but QP is still off the job. They walked off on Friday. They've indicated that they're not going to go back, regardless of what happens in terms of the government's legislation or a labor board ruling that we can get to in a bit, if uh, yeah, you wish.
0: Uh, yeah, yeah um, Michelle, to like like to like stop right there. Already too much. Already too much. Let, let's let's slow down. Let's keep breaking this down the Ontario labor board. <laughs> I'm what, sorry. My what, brain gets no, no, of me I, with this. No, no, that's what that, that's what I, when I said, there's like so many octopus tentacles to this. Oh, like, you know, it's, like it's wild. It's wild. So let's talk coordinating
1: about it. all weekend. Dude. I,
0: yes. I, I, I'm, i I'm, I'm just amazed you're awake for us right now, Michelle. So tell me about the labor relations board. What <laughs> role are they playing? Also what we're going to find out probably a little bit later today.
1: Yes. Um, so after the legislation passed, the labor relations board was asked to get involved to rule on whether or not QP was engaging in an illegal strike. So yes, there's a law that's passed. So technically, they are contravening this law, but the two sides wanted to go and make arguments in front of the labor relations board. Um, the coles notes version is that QP says that they're not actually striking; they're engaging in legitimate political protest, and that they're not withdrawing services because they're act- they're violating a contract that was imposed on them, rather than one that was collected that was, excuse me, reached through collective bargaining. Uh, the government is saying they're on strike. You need to declare this illegal, and then we can start imposing fines on the unions. This labor board hearing got started on Friday around four o'clock. That wrapped up at 11 p.m. On Saturday, they ran from 9 a.m. to uh, 1 a.m. Oh or my so. Gosh. On Sunday morning. Oh, my uh-huh. gosh. Uh-huh. And then additional eight hours on Sunday when they got started at seven and wrapped up around three. So it just went on and on and on the chair of the board, Brian O'Byrne had, had indicated that he had hoped to hand down a decision yesterday, but he, he made no promises. And in fact, there was no decision. We are still awaiting that one.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, so, so let's use the word solidarity before, and I know we'd be here all day if we started going school board by school board, but we know what happened on Friday was that a bunch of schools were closed Um, a bunch of school boards said we cannot engage in school. Give me the general sense of what the landscape is today from the point of view of school boards.
1: The general sense is that a number of them are, in fact, closed. Uh, the, The schools are closed. Some of them are the schools are closed outright in many cases though, they have shifted to remote learning the way we were facing in much mm-hmm. of the pandemic.
0: We have some experience with that. We've been playing with that game for a couple of years now. Exactly.
1: Yes. And and I happen to know a lot of parents who are not at all happy about this, even mm. as they understand or, or even support what might be happening on CUPE's end. But uh, yeah, this is, uh, this is what we're facing. It's a shift back to remote learning and it's directly at odds with what the government has been saying is their top priority to keep, keep people in class. So, their effort to impose that legislation appears to have backfired, at least for now. Um, we don't have a sense of how long this is going to go on for, but the message from the school boards is basically until further notice. By and large, they're going with remote learning. Now, there's many, many school boards who have not yet made their plans clear, and that's mm-hmm. hard on parents, that's too, when they don't necessarily know what to expect. Yeah. And, of course, that so this impacts you know daycares when, when some of those are embedded in schools. It all gets exceedingly mm-hmm, complicated.
0: Mm-hmm. If I was giving the Premier and the education minister some advice. I would say find your finest pair of coveralls and start plunging toilets at schools that's how you're going to get the public on your side. But in the meantime, uh, people are ticked. Uh, Dave Michelle, Brown
1: Consulting, everybody. Dave
0: Brown Consulting is full of great ideas, That's perpetually right. full of great ideas. Practical, Wilson, you, actionable. Michelle, I mean, again, we're, like, we're not editorialists here on a Monday. We do journalism when we talk on Monday. But, like, frankly, right. you can't have a school that doesn't have custodians, right? Like, kids are disgusting. And they're gonna make messes and you need custodians in schools. You can't operate you really a school. Feel, you, you can't operate a school without custodians. You can't.
1: Well, I mean, this is this is the message from the board. It's that essentially it's not safe. If the QP workers are not there, they cannot operate the schools and safety. A lot of teachers really heavily rely on their educational assistance for crucial support. And that's their argument It's that we, we, we simply can't do this. So schools are
0: closed Yeah, Michelle, or, or we're going remote. Michelle, I know you've been following this one chase, literally chasing this dragon all weekend. So how about we talk about something else for a minute to maybe uh, ease your mind? Sure. Why not? <laughs> the, the, Airline, WestJet, had a pretty significant outage over the weekend. Uh, It maybe almost got like buried in the headlines based on so much other stuff happening in the world. But what was the extent of this outage for WestJet?
1: Yeah, well, it was quite significant. It was a system-wide outage that happened on Saturday, and we didn't necessarily know what had happened. The company started to provide a few more answers yesterday. Apparently, what happened was a, a, quote, cooling issue. I don't have any more than that. (laughs) Sorry. I mean, it, it sounds to me like a server, it felt right? Some, honestly. Some, yeah, something
0: right? A, a computer got too hot and the the liquids weren't moving. Through That's it fast my guess. Enough.
1: Yeah, because it, it, it was in their data center. It's a cooling issue in the data center. Um, so what happened there though was it basically took the entire contact center offline, and no one could access any guest reservations. That, so
0: that makes it difficult to run an airline.
1: It certainly does, and it certainly makes it hard to get anywhere if you had trips booked. So at uh, a number of airports, we were doing long lineups. Really, really unhappy customers as Oof. you can imagine <clears throat> uh, my colleague rob drinkwater was able to get someone on the phone yesterday as he was standing in line at calgary airport again uh this is a guy who was trying to go for a, a guy's weekend to vegas on saturday and he couldn't go they kept rebooking and and it wasn't going to work and so they decided okay maybe we'll fly to san francisco and drive to vegas instead and go do it that way and they went through the exact same process oh of cancellations oh and, and 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 then so eventually they just said, "Forget it. We're going to go back to Winnipeg, where they're from." So that was a bit of a bust of a guy's weekend for them, and they're they're not at all happy with WestJet right now.
0: <clears throat> um, Instead of a weekend I, at the Bellagio, you get a weekend in the Calgary <laughs> the airport. Calgary
1: airport, yeah, good times, right? Um, and. The thing is that we don't necessarily know when it is going to be fully resolved. WestJet says that the issue itself has been sorted out and they're back online, but because of residual effects, they've cautioned that there's going to be disruptions and some instability for the next few days.
0: Oh, yeah. If you lose 48 hours of getting flights out, the cascading impact is going to be gargantuan in terms of trying oh, sure. to get people from point A to point Z.
1: And they canceled 200 flights. Is the, is the number that they've officially put on the record for the number of flights affected? So that's very significant.
0: That's a lot of people. Yeah, it's a lot of yeah. plans upended. And then you got to get you got to get planes got to get planes to the proper airports to move people around. It it turns into a real mess real fast. Oh
1: yeah, it's it's a very complicated game of Jenga when it comes to the coordination. It's it's, yeah. it's pretty. It's it's hard to swing. All of this, of course, at a time when when we know that travel has become uh, more complex and and more. Uh,
0: more of a risky proposition yeah, than, than we, it has been before. We think we finally fixed the arrive can thing. Ha-ha, <laughs> but guess what? Now you can't actually Psych. get on your flight. So, exactly. you know, that's how, we, that's how we solve the long lineups at security. You can't actually get your flight confirmed. So there you go. Boom, we found a solution. <laughs> Michelle, thank you for this. We always appreciate catching up.
1: My pleasure. Have a great week, everybody.
0: That is Michelle McQuig, the weekend news editor, at the Canadian Press, and one of our panelists on the news panel on Friday. So come back Friday morning, 9.15 a.m. Eastern Time, and Michelle and Joita.